This episode is brought to you by Splash Refresher. I believe in the three beverage rotation on my desk at all times. One for caffeinating, one for hydrating, and one for fun. But Splash, they spice it up by putting the fun and hydration in one. I don't have to dread my eight cups of water a day. I just drink Splash and like it. My flavor that I've been enjoying the most lately is the wild berry. Keep one on your desk. You'll be hydrated in no time. Find Splash Refresher today on Amazon and Instacart or at your local Walmart, Sam's Club, or Kroger. Betches Media presents Ha ha, laugh, funny Mention it all, a Bravo by Betches podcast We don't say that, but now we said it With me, Dylan Hafer Hold on, check me, boo Hey everyone, welcome back to the Mention It All podcast. I am Dylan Hafer, and I am excited to be kicking off this week with one of my favorite returning guests. He is a writer at The Grio, of course, a fellow Bravoholic and a good friend of mine. Please welcome back to the show, Jared Alexander. Hi. Hi, Dylan. How are you? I am good. I am excited to have you on today because not only do we have a great episode of Potomac to talk about, but there has also been some... Uh, some drama brewing in in the New York Housewives universe that I feel like you are uh, uniquely equipped to help me break down. You think? And, oh, well, the one of so I was with you for a lot of BravoCon weekend. We were in the trenches mm-hmm. together, and one of those moments that we shared at BravoCon was speaking to Ebony K. Williams, who uh, in the past week has been kind of uh, back in the conversation in a way that I'm not sure she really uh expected nor necessarily wanted to be yeah we certainly did i and i feel like too just like the energy with all the roni women who were there because if you think about it like the entire last cast was there at BravoCon, um and the energy seemed really great so um yeah as the news unfolded the following week it was really interesting it's the roni cast obviously we're talking about the roni cast that we have was on season 13 it's they're in an interesting place because at BravoCon, it's like Luann and Sonia have their spin-off thing coming up. So that was kind of what they were there mainly for. And then Leah is on Girls Trip 3. So that's, you know, coming up soon. Ramona and Ebony don't necessarily have Bravo projects in the works that we know of, but obviously Ramona was on Girls Trip last year. And Ebony, I mean, they all live here too. So it's the kind of thing where like if they're around, why not come to the Legends Ball? You want 140 right. Bravo Lebs, invite everyone. But it is kind of funny, like, hearing Ebony say that Ramona was lovely to her at the Legends Ball, and then knowing that she had already recorded this podcast interview with Carlos King, where she essentially blames the entire 13-year downfall of Roni <laughs> OG on Ebony Williams going to HR. It's like, Maybe you didn't need to say hi at the Legends Ball. <laughs> right. And it it certainly was quite the episode. And I think first off, like, and we love Carlos. It's been crazy how this podcast, like, is creating story. Like, he just gets them, which is clear in just the work that he does. And, like, I mean, you could go through, like, 10 of, like, the most amazing Housewives moments in the first, like, five years of Real Housewives. And he's kind of the reason for it. Um, but he really gets them to um, feel very comfortable and kind of just lets them say what they want to say. Um, and then you get kind of results like this sometimes, which were, it was a, a disappointing listen, but again, I'm sure we'll get into it. There was certainly a response from Ebony. Well, it's it's kind of odd with Ramona because it's been over a year now since season 13 of Roni 
finished up. And aside from seeing her on Girls Trip a little bit later in the year last year, Ramona hasn't had a platform really since then. She doesn't have a podcast. She's not doing any other show that we have seen or that have heard about. So she's really just on Instagram posting her stories, shaking her ass in Ibiza. And that's pretty much all we've gotten from her in the last year. Whereas for most of these Bravo celebrities, they're either still on their main show or they're hosting a podcast or they're writing a book or doing a press tour or something. So for Ramona, it really is kind of interesting to think about the fact that she hasn't had an audience essentially in a year and she's never that's a new thing for her. And so she gets on this podcast and obviously she talked a lot about Ebony, but I also was really interested in what she said about Roni legacy, because the news we got at BravoCon was that legacy is definitely still happening, but they haven't really done anything about it yet. It hasn't been cast. Decisions haven't been made and they were focused on the reboot first. And now Mm. that that's been cast legacy can kind of have its moment, but Ramona is playing coy about whether or not she even wants to do it. I wrote down this quote from her that I'm just going to read because it it sounds like Ramona. She says, I've been there for a long time. I mean, never say no, never say never. But I also feel like the legacy, how can it be really good? The people who they're going to bring back are people they didn't want to renew anyway. So now what are you going to call it? The loser show, the loser legacy. (laughs) And like, I understand what she means. Like I, Mm -hmm, especially mm -hmm. Ebony is very clear in her, on her response episode about this, she literally says, we were all fired. That's the truth of it. Like, R- Bravo right. didn't want any of us back for Roni. But the thing is, also, I'm like, if they ask Ramona to do Legacy, there is no way in hell she is going to turn down that check. So why are you out right. here putting out... I-, I feel like she's kind of putting out, like, preemptive damage control in case they don't want her. Because then she's like, well, I said I didn't want to do it anyway. That's exactly it. And I feel like she's also still operating in that mode of, you know, like in between seasons when it's consecutive, like a normal healthy franchise. It's like, you always say that they're always like, I don't know if I'm going to come back. We'll see. Like, and, but I feel like this is very different. (laughs) It's been like a year, as you said, and it seems like, um, you know, they purposefully didn't really start any work on it until hopefully right now, as we're sitting here recording this. Um, Yeah. So to drudge up, a lot of that old stuff, which it seems like most people have moved past at this point in that cast is like, it was quite the decision. But that loser legacy quote was hilarious. And that's like the Ramona that I think we all fell in love with. But right. It is kind of a strange strategy to me, aside from her having plausible deniability, if she doesn't get invited on, she can say, well, I didn't really want to do it anyway. But in terms of putting on a good show for the network who is going to be casting in the coming weeks and months. Not only are you saying you don't really feel excited about the idea of the show, but you're also rehashing all of this stuff about what happened with Roni in the past and with Ebony particularly, which obviously Ravona has plenty of fans. There are, uh, <laughs> disappointing mm-hmm. number of people who heard this interview and were like, you get them, girl, go off, sis, <laughs> about Ramona. But like, I have to imagine from a network standpoint and when they're looking at kind of the wider optics of how they're going to cast this show, having Ramona back out there retreading all of the same territory about 
political correctness and why is this woman stopping our show and she just so happens to be black but i've never said or done anything racist in my life that isn't i wouldn't i wouldn't think that's the energy they really want to have around legacy so it's like if we were just getting fun kooky ramona and she was like doing an interview where she's like i love my life i love my i go on dates i get I have a good time. I travel. I go to lunch. Like that's the Ramona I would think would be more likely to be cast on legacy. But when she's still kind of out here spreading this stuff about what went down a year ago, it's like, I don't know if this is what anybody is looking for. Right. Absolutely. And especially because there was such like a one-two punch of the last season of Roni and then ultimate girl strip one. I feel like there was a lot of, like just a souring feeling about Ramona in general that like, but time has passed. Like things have cooled down. It felt like she had a great time at BravoCon. Like I would, if I was her, probably not bring that up. Like you said, I would just like try and just keep things level and just like talk about my life and where I'm at and everything. Because I think we're always going to love Ramona. You know what I mean? Like we're always going to want to see her on TV, at least a part of her. But there certainly was, um, there were so many things that led to that Roni decision that I'm sure we're all not going to be privy to, but we can't sit here and act like we all weren't like miserable watching the last season. Like it was, and the ratings kind of showed it. Yeah. And I think it, also, just when you have this 13-year, decade-plus franchise where Ramona's been there the whole time, Luann's been there the whole time, Sonia almost the whole time, whether or not Ebony had anything to do with the specific reason that the reunion was canceled or the show kind of got put on pause, it doesn't make you look great as the OG veteran to be like, this one person came in and our show was so fragile that because there was one HR complaint about something that I didn't even do, it tore down the whole thing. It's like, I don't think Bravo would have scrapped your whole cast if they were like super, super satisfied, but there happened to be an HR issue. Like that's not actually, (laughs) it's not how these things We've seen examples of other shows that have been able to evolve kind of like if you look at Jersey is a great example I think that like we had some really um tricky seasons (laughs) like you think of everyone talks about the season with the twins like but it really has evolved and changed and even I'll give Teresa and Melissa of course like credit for this the women who were there for longer like did have to play ball with the new women like a Margaret like a Jen like a Jackie etc like they may not have always gotten along but it helped the show evolve now and that it's just as strong now almost as it was earlier. And it just seemed like, um, again, you could feel however you want about Ebony and if she was the right fit and if it was the right tone for the show and all these things. But it's just hard to believe that one person could bring down an entire show. And people say the same thing about Leah and I have a hard time with that too. Yeah, in terms of the Ramona focusing on the future thing versus looking back to the past, I kind of feel like somebody who's done a really good job of that. And obviously it's not the exact same situation but i feel like phaedra coming back on this ultimate girls trip round and doing Mm -hmm. you know all the press and being at BravoCon, i feel like she has done a really excellent job of kind of making people forget about the circumstances under which she left her original (laughs) show for for better or for worse whether you whether you love phaedra or think she should never be on bravo again when for the most part when people see phaedra on girls trip 
they're just loving the energy that she's bringing and they're loving kind of her vibe and her confessional moments and all of this stuff that made us love her in the first place. Whereas Ramona, it's a little bit like, you know, it's like move on. If you actually want people to move on, then you have to be the one to move on. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. And I think it's going to be interesting again, too. We saw that tease of three and mm-hmm. even in that two minutes alone, like there was a big, I felt like the audience was receptive and I was like, I'm excited to see Leah again. And I couldn't tell if it was like, because those women were like, again, like playing ball with her. But I was like, it just felt like the Leah that, you know, audiences fell in love with in her first season. Like you couldn't, Leah was everywhere. Everyone was obsessed with her until they weren't. And I just feel like the audience, of course, is fickle. I, I certainly am. I feel like I change how I feel all the time. But you would think that she would again, like not touch that and just kind of keep things easy and calm because again like the audience changes so much they really were so excited to see Ramona to see all the Roni women honestly at BravoCon at least that's how it felt in the room yeah totally and I think you know like with Ebony she talks about on her podcast like she's moved on it this was over a year ago for her she's doing other stuff you know she's starting a show with the griot that i think premieres today um Mm -hmm. she has a she has a new book she obviously has her podcast like ramona is the one who's kind of sitting there in her misery like (laughs) right and she kind of spells that out with the podcast hilariously a little bit where she's like go to work a little bit like (laughs) i haven't even been thinking about this we had a great time at BravoCon, and i think also The thing about Ramona is I think that she was just kind of talking as she does about um, like cryptically kind of not really like she was like Ebony made all this stuff up and then I was completely exonerated like I didn't say all those things when like these are widely reported investigations that happened like you could like read the variety report that came out last year already and even still I feel like Ebony didn't wasn't out here doing press or really um spelling it out like she wound up doing in the podcast. But a lot of them were claims that weren't even from her that were from, which I thought was a really interesting look at like, you know, there are black people who work on these shows who aren't on camera, who may have felt a certain way. So, and I think it's hard as an audience to remember that it is a workplace. So I see the inclination for a lot of people on Twitter to be like, oh, like Ebony had to go to HR, but it's like, no, this, this is work. And if anyone, right. if anyone felt uncomfortable in the workplace, you would go to HR, you know? Right. And right. The idea that it's a TV show and there's cameras and we're, we're kind of supposed to be living vicariously through them. It makes us feel differently about it than a normal workplace. But when you think about all of the people and, you know, with a show like this, there are six or seven women on the cast, but there are dozens or maybe even more people who work on or around this show it's like for all of them it's just the job it's their job and they have to be there and they have to you know they deserve to be in work conditions that are you know acceptable and supportive and protected and yeah i think like ebony told on her on her podcast she talked about that day that they were having lunch at luann's house in sag harbor and Mm -hmm. she got asked to leave basically and then it was after she left that there was this story or she heard that ramona made the comment about this is why we shouldn't have black women on the show and it's like Mm -hmm. ebony is very upfront about the fact that she wasn't there for that so she it wasn't her complaint or like she wasn't the one kind of initiating that incident and it's like yeah like okay 
Ramona can deny that she said it, but that's not coming from Ebony. Ebony's saying right now that she wasn't there. And it was also other, again, there were other pieces at play, it seems too. Like, I totally had forgotten about that page six article with Heather in it, who like did wind up corroborating things. So like, I feel like, again, to blame it all on one, the one black person who's ever been on the show um, is, it just, I just think it, A, wasn't a smart move ultimately, but B, it just was like really disappointing. And then subsequently disappointing to see again, people kind of like eat it up and be like, go get her because it's like, if you zoom out, like, what are you really saying? Like, what is that? What are you, what? Like, <laughs> right. At the, at the very least, I feel like we should all be able to agree that there is more to the story than just Ramona Singer <laughs> mouthing off on a podcast yes. for 30 minutes, whether or not she would look good at the end of the day, that's up for debate. But like, I feel like we should all be able to, you know, put on our critical listening <laughs> skills and be like, hmm, right. it sounds like there could be more to this. <laughs> Right. It seems like, yeah, there could be a little more. But it definitely was, it was nice, I think, that she was able to break it down. Again, it is weird because it's like years old stuff. But, right. um, and again, I'm sure there is a, there's one big truth. But what I found interesting about Ebony's is that she never, I don't know, she never took, she took ownership of a lot of things, I guess. I don't know. Like, she never was like, oh, yeah, like, we were best friends. Or, oh, yeah, this... She just kind of broke it down as best as she could. Um, but it wasn't like... I think a lot of people online were acting like Ebony was, like, coming after Ramona on her podcast. But, like, no, Ramona said all this stuff. This, like, almost, like, kind of, like, incriminating stuff. Like, that Ebony would just make up something just mm-hmm. to take Ramona down. And she really just used that time to defend herself. But... You can't you can't come for the attorneys on on Bravo. You know, you got to you got to be a little smarter no. if you're going to if you're going to play that game. <laughs> Who do we have? We have like Emily Simpson. We have a Meredith Marks. Yes. Meredith Marks. Meredith Marks <laughs> explaining Jen's legal situation to Heather and Whitney last week. I'm like, girls, you don't know anything about this yet. Like she right. got arrested a year ago. <laughs> Summer is fast approaching, which means more social events, more weddings to attend, more nights on the town, and hopefully more vacations. That's why I'm so thankful for today's sponsor, Honey Love, for covering us with the best shapewear. With Honey Love, you can feel your best even when you're wearing less. They've revolutionized compression technology, so you no longer have to feel like you're suffocating while wearing effective shapewear. Plus, they are the only shapewear that won't ever roll down, no matter how much you groove on the dance floor. For a limited time only, you can get Honey Love on sale. Get 20% off your entire order with our exclusive link, honeylove.com slash MIA. Support our show and check them out at honeylove.com forward slash MIA. When talking about effective shapewear, Honeylove's best-selling superpower short is the go-to. It has targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas where you want more support and areas where you need less compression. Their signature X targets and sculpts your midsection without squeezing your natural curves. The superpower short is helping ladies everywhere sculpt and smooth from stomach to thigh by offering the perfect amount of compression. You won't have to worry about it rolling down, which is unheard of in shapewear, thanks to flexible boning that's hidden in the side seams. This piece is also a booty lifter. Boost bands on the back of the thigh give your bottom an amazing shape. Treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com slash MIA. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash MIA. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. The summer vibes are just getting started, honeys. 
Shape your life with Honey Love. I am so happy that warmer weather is finally back and we can get back to enjoying some time in the sun. But the springtime always brings those unwanted guests, pollen and seasonal allergies. April showers bring May flowers and also sniffly noses and stuffed up sinuses. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. I have had seasonal allergies for pretty pretty much my entire life. Unfortunately, there are definitely those days where I have canceled my plans because I simply just don't want to be out in the world because of my allergies. But luckily, Claritin is the perfect thing that you can just take at the beginning of the day. And it really helps with all of those symptoms, clearing up your eyes, clearing up your sinuses, clearing up your congestion. It's the easiest way to just get those allergies under control, whether it's in the spring, any other time of year. And it's designed for serious allergy sufferers. Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live clear and clear. Use as directed. Okay, uh, switching lanes a little bit. Let's talk about Potomac. We are now three episodes into this season. It feels like there's a lot going on. And we pick up where we left off at the dance studio, this godforsaken dance studio that they all just need to like get the hell away from. Needs to be um, saved. But we, we get two really <laughs> different fourth wall break moments at this dance studio because we start off with candace speaking to eric the producer um <laughs> which your, your meme last week killed me she's like it's like ariel <laughs> when she gets her voice back <laughs> i need <Where's> eric, eric? <laughs> i'm like i hope eric gets so a nice little bonus for this because me too it, so you can tell that eric's energy is like please 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 don't involve me in this like because Candace is very deliberately, she is messing with the, you know, construct of the show that Giselle has right. brought up this thing. They're having a conversation on camera, which is a normal scene. And Candace essentially calls cut and is like, no, this isn't going to be, this isn't going to be the scene. I'm going to go have the scene with Eric, the producer, who we're never supposed to see or hear from or think about the fact that he exists on camera. And what's funny is that you would think in a situation like this, it would be like a bravo, bravo, bravo situation where Candace doesn't want it used. But then at the end of her little conversation with Eric, she very specifically says, don't cut out my fourth wall. I want it all in there. Essentially, mm -hmm. she's laying the groundwork for act suggesting that production slash Giselle slash whoever have kind of cooked up this scheme that Chris is going to be the bad guy this season. And I thought that was very interesting because he, her saying, leave this in, and then they do. I'm like, what's what's happening? Right. I'm scared. Right. And it was, again, talk about, in connection to what we were just talking to, talk about women who play ball with each other. Like, I just think Potomac, um, the strength of it is that they just like show up and it feels like they go to work and it's fun and, and all these things. But this moment I think was so powerful because of that. I, you know, I'm like very much a basset hound. 
Um, and a Giselle Bryant <laughs> apologist. So this is like my civil war. Like this season is like really hard for me. But I think that like, it was so powerful again that she said like, no, leave that in. And because we've seen fourth wall moments before and it is, like you said, it's different than, cause Bravo Bravo, at least like the first time and the second time, a lot of it was like her saying it, saying it, saying it until production would step in and be like, listen, just keep going. Like we're not cutting. Whereas like she just kind of got up, went right to it and then was like, no, and also leave that in. Um, and these women also have, I think in Potomac, have been around moments. I mean, the husbands have really been in the mix a lot in the show. So I think I could see how Candace could feel like, oh no, this is a pattern. And like, not my Chris. And she certainly let Eric know who she thinks could be the target again. Even though we haven't seen Michael Darby, he's like, (laughs) he's gone, it feels like, but. I was thinking that during this episode when Ashley went house hunting and she was with like her brother or somebody, I was like, oh, I wonder, are we just not, is Michael Darby like not filming this season? I don't know, but I, I can't remember if we see him in any. She did an interview somewhere where she said she pretty much confirmed he doesn't film. Um, Again, I, I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure she did. And I mean, also, the thing about Ashley is that, like, we're going to get story from her regardless, in which that's been fascinating, too. I think there's been lots of question of, like, who is Ashley without Michael? Because Michael has been such a strong, when people say, quote unquote, storyline or whatever, it's, it feels like it's been hers. But um, she's another one who I think is just a pro. Like, I could have watched her house hunt for an entire episode, honestly. Right. I could watch Ashley Darby talk to a wall. Like, I feel like <laughs> you you would still be getting story. Um, yes. But once Candace leaves the dance studio, the rest of the women are mm-hmm. kind of like shell shocked of what's just gone on. And I love that Giselle is kind of like downplaying what happened. She's like, oh, I think she left because she had a stomach ache or something. Like, I think she just was she 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 just wanted to leave. She wasn't feeling well. I'm like, Giselle, you literally were sitting together talking. You brought up her husband and then she got up and left. It's like, I don't think she had a stomach ache, but right. good. And she stormed out and the women saw it. At least Ashley and Wendy did, it seemed like. Right. But so Wendy, uh, professional that she is, immediately uh, changes the subject to her Nigerian lounge. <laughs> and, oh my God. Um, and then uh, right on cue, we're back talking to about Mia's uh, cancer, no cancer situation. Um, Giselle is like, Mia, I texted you. Why didn't you respond? Um, and they go and talk. I was actually, I was impressed how quickly they were able to kind of squash their beef. I thought Giselle did, you know, a good job of uh, kind of owning that in the moment, whether or not she really regrets anything that she said to Mia. I think that's a different question. But I was like, okay, good, good for Giselle checking off one box of somebody who's mad at her. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that she, I think Giselle does. There have been moments. I know it's hard to remember. This is my like Giselle Bryan apologist side coming in. <laughs> but she does own things a lot of times, or at least sometimes she needs a little nudge, like how Robin told her, like the way you approached that was wrong. The delivery was wrong. And she did own that. And she made sure to bring the Tower of Cupcakes in the room with her too, which was so funny to me when they went to the dance studio <laughs> to break it down. And it did feel like Mia was kind of disarmed by it. It wasn't expecting this but did accept it. One thing I will say about Giselle, I think is that she does, she does communicate to you in the moment. Like, yes, she, you know, there is a lot of like gossip and a lot of sneaky stuff, but um, 
I don't know. It, it doesn't seem like she's the type of housewife who says one thing to your face and thinks another thing. Like she really will say everything there. And I think that um, in a moment like this tricky moment <laughs> with that Mia's in right now, I'm sure it was appreciated. Yeah. And I also think with Mia, it's she's just starting her second season. And I think she had a fine first season, but not like an all-star performance. There is a thing of like, somebody like Mia doesn't want to end up in a position where she doesn't really have very many friends in the group. And I think mm-hmm. this thing with Giselle, it's like, if you, if Giselle gives you an opportunity to squash this three episodes into the season, it's going to make the rest of the season potentially a lot easier for you versus starting this feud. And then you really have to keep it up. And right. I think so. I think it's like smart for Mia to kind of accept that apology Especially when you have Robin and Wendy in the next room, who are both also essentially talking shit in the same exact way, just a little bit less aggressive to her face. When in right. Wendy's case, of course, she's yelling at <laughs> <Woo>! Robin. <laughs> so Wendy is yelling at Robin for calling for calling Mia a liar. She's like, stand in your truth, stand ten toes down in your truth. And then twenty minutes later, leaving the building. Wendy caught on hot mic telling the producer that they all know Mia is lying. And okay. So I've seen people online in the whatever 12 hours since this episode aired, people are already calling into question whether or not this was a genuine hot mic moment or whether it was staged for some kind of storyline that Wendy knew she was being recorded. And here's my thought about this. Wendy did not have a reason to plan this as a storyline because (laughs) because the thing is in the context of the show unless a producer tells mia that wendy said this or unless wendy tells somebody that she said this nobody on the season is going to know that this is what she's been saying it it's not going to come up until the reunion or like if mia's on watch what happens live maybe they'll ask her about it but it's not giving storyline in the way that it no. would if she had told somebody else in the cast. And so I think there is this kind of thing where people are like, oh, they know they're wearing a mic. And it's like, right, but they're wearing a mic for like six hours and they're saying a lot of stuff that isn't going to make it onto the show. So right. to me, it just it doesn't have that quality necessarily like Lisa Barlow's hot mic situation. I think there's more of a case to be made that it's like, right. oh, she kind of knew it might make it in but like it can be a hot mic even if there is a producer that you're talking to in the room absolutely and she clearly was on her way out and i totally agree with what you said if it you know if it was going to move story along then that would have been told to someone or someone would have overheard it and we've had other hot mic moments um on potomac i mean there was that michael one in season four with the producer like i feel like also just like with Salt Lake, if there could have been a camera on Wendy in that moment, if they really were going to use it, don't you think, even if it was like, I don't know, behind a door, like with Lisa Barlow, I think we would have seen it. But I feel like it was literally such a last minute thing. Like she was walking out the door and said it. Um, It to me felt, felt real. But I do think what's maybe tripping people up is that Wendy is really just like taking it on the chin online. And like, I saw she like quote tweeted it and was like, oh my gosh, like I got caught, which I think is the right way to do it. I think yeah. to go and be like, I didn't know. You know what I mean? I think that's the right way to play it. But that doesn't mean that she planned this all along just because she's kind of just taking it on the chin, you know? Right. And 
especially because it only makes Wendy look bad. It's not the kind of thing where she's she's not exposing something about Mia. She's not talking shit about the other women in a way that's going to make them look worse. It's like it literally only serves to make her look messy and like a bad friend and like she's being a hypocrite. And so right. there's just no reason Wendy would even go along with planning that as like a story moment. But either way, I'm like, this season of Potomac is not lacking for storylines so far. We have there's plenty- so much going on. We have plenty going on. Like we get scenes that are barely even really worth like recapping, but like Candace's whole egg retrieval situation mm-hmm. is a-, a whole thing that is just like, I'm glad she's sharing that. Um, it sucks that she's not having an easier time with it. Uh, you know, Ray and Karen getting a manicure together. It's like, this is, it's what dreams are made mm-hmm. of. Karen, it is. Karen's, Karen's saying, I was very sad to miss Ashley's TikTok class. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> the ticky talky, I think, is what she said. I was like, oh my gosh. No, it definitely, I feel like I was thinking about this too. Like, there's something about, I think, when you have a strong cast, um, I just love the pace of Potomac because, again, I could watch these women. I could watch Karen and Ray get a manicure. Like, I can watch Candace just in her house on FaceTime with their doctor. Like, I can really just sit in those moments. And I feel like it just harkens back to old school housewives that we don't want really to get anymore. Like, I feel like, not to compare it to Beverly Hills, because I know we're almost, <laughs> the long night is almost over. But it's like, we don't get those moments, like... I would love to just see Crystal in her house for seven minutes in a package, just with her kids sitting down on the sofa. But I feel like we're constantly running to like group event, group event, group event, which seems like it's sometimes a directive from fans. If I'm going to defend production, like I feel like for a while there, fans were like, we need more group events. Like where are the group events? But you kind of need those moments. Like when you fall in love, like I felt, I feel like all of Jersey, like especially with the Manzos, the Gorgas and the Judices, like you fell in love with them, like in their kitchen. And the like Tuscany themed kitchens, you know, (laughs) the Loritas, like you just, yeah, that's, that's how you get real steaks, you know? Yeah. I like, I feel like this episode actually in particular had a really good balance because the whole dance studio thing at the beginning was this kind of shifting chaotic group scene where there were different, you know, dynamics and different arguments happening. But then the rest of the episode is really all these solo or one-on-one scenes that really do move the story forward a lot aside from you know candace with her egg stuff ray and karen robin having that prenup conversation with juan which was a very sticky little dynamic of like very Juan, like the fact that they had a prenup the first time they got married and now juan is acting like he doesn't understand why she would want it this time it's like do you have amnesia? Like, are we not? Like, <laughs> he's pretend amnesia. He's yeah. acting like it's this like bizarre thing to ask for, and it's like you literally—it's the same thing you did before, <laughs> right? The exact the- same thing. But again, like that's a scene that you love. Like, I don't. Th- again, like that's a scene that like you would think maybe I'm yeah. watching be kind of bored by, but these are just people who we've known for seven years now, and it's fun yeah. to watch them. You know, just like I can watch Chris and Candace fight in a car. Right. For an entire season. And we love Dr. Wendy talking about the hair loss. I think that's something that probably a lot of people are, you know, can relate to. And it's a nice thing to see yes. kind of get that attention. But then in the back, 
the back third of the episode, we move into these one-on-one scenes that are really important. We have Robin and Mia sitting down at lunch where, you know, they kind of have a little bit of a, a little bit of a makeup where Robin is, you know, <laughs> digging for more information about Mia's health. And Mia's like, mm-hmm. okay, I can understand why you have those questions. And it's like, okay, we just need everybody in the cast should at this point, just get like Mia's full <laughs> medical records <laughs> delivered to their house. So they can all just sit down, take a peek, and be at peace with what they know. <laughs> no, it's like it's like when is it enough? You know. But seriously, I think that there's been so much chatter online. People are like, "Oh my god!" Like Robin has activated this season. Oh my god! Like I love this Robin, and I just kind of feel like I've always loved Robin, and I feel like this is how Robin moves. Like I, I do feel like we've had so, especially in the earlier seasons, like you know, the big umbrella moment, like. Robin has played a big part in this show. And I think just because maybe she isn't the most combative or the messiest or the loudest, that doesn't make her, that doesn't mean, like, I almost sometimes compare her to, like, Dolores Catania in a way, who, you know, she has her Pattis and Dolores, but, like, for most of the show, she's pretty much kind of rides in the middle. And, but you can't, again, you need housewives like this. Um, And again, I'm just happy that some people are finally seeing the light because I just think Robin is is a great yeah i think it's it's an interesting dynamic in this cast because ashley and giselle are both messy in a louder way or you know kind of pot stirring or you know bone carrying whatever you want to call it but they're kind of obvious in the way that they do it there's not a lot of subtlety when giselle is you know bringing up something messy it's you know you're throwing a grenade into the room whereas robin i think does it in a little bit more of an artful way where she's going to go to lunch with mia and they're going to talk about two of the biggest storylines which is mia's cancer no cancer situation and then pivoting Mm -hmm. into the candace and chris and giselle and what happened with ashley and i think that scene is so important but you're not it doesn't feel like messy messy but (laughs) what is messy is the potomac editors who because mia is like (laughs) mia just has to have her fingers you know in the pot or whatever and she's like well you know during karen's spring spring to fling taco (laughs) party chris was staring at me the whole time and it made me feel uncomfortable and we get multiple shots from this party that feature (laughs) mia and chris and the chiron that just says chris not looking at mia oh my god what a what a blessing these potomac editors are hilarious the potomac editors are truly top tier it was such a funny moment you also have a, a great mia by the way that was hilarious but i just think that like there was so much question i feel like from the fans because we had a bit of they waited a bit like after the reunion before they started filming again as to whether or not we wanted Mia back or not I am I for one have to say I'm so happy Mia is back because I think I don't know she is messy it does seem like if she's not lying she certainly is stretching the truth a lot but I like that in a housewife (laughs) last episode was like very amusing like I just found myself like really giggling at the absurdity of it and how Robin just was like I'm not gonna even touch that like (laughs) I'm not even gonna go there I think the thing with Mia is that she's she's messy in a way that feels not just messy in terms of like be like drama, but messy in like a sloppy way where she isn't tying up her loose ends and she's playing fast and loose with the truth in a way that is going to be easily verifiable and just kind of talking out of 
her ass a little bit and it's like <laughs> you know that it, it reminds me at their at their panel at BravoCon when um uh, when Ashley or when Robin <laughs> when when Robin was making a comment about Ashley's divorce situation and she was like well Juan and I living together after we got divorced was only because we were broke. So it's a different situation with Ashley because she and Michael have money. And when Mia just goes, so are you saying that she only married Michael for his money? And it's like, everybody's like, wait, what? She literally didn't say that. That's not even what she was implying. And I feel like she kind of does that on the show too, where she, she loves she loves to get in the situation even if she has no leg to stand on even if it doesn't involve her she is gonna have her kind of little moment in the sun and i feel like this thing of now she's saying that chris was staring at her it's like girl what you're you're only you're only going to cause problems you're only going to get candace to to hate you it's what good can come from this but at the end of the day she's going to be involved in the storyline Right. It's like she herself, her own entity is like two rounds of telephone. So like Mia hears something, it like goes through this weird system and then it comes out totally different, way worse. Like I remember that happened last on the first trip last season. I forget what she relayed that Giselle said about Wendy. That was not how Oh, she was like, oh, yeah, you called her a weak bitch. But she did not say those words at all. I think she said something. She was like, oh, if you're going to crumble every time. But she heard it, like, I don't know, it did this weird cycle in her brain, and then it came out that way. Her, <laughs> it's just so funny to me. Mia's mind is just, like, on tumble dry constantly. It's, it's <laughs> like, woo, woo, woo. She's either, like, <laughs> she's at the joint chiropractic, just getting adjustments in her brain. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And talk about it. Does that, I mean, I'm sure we got into it, but the, it's interesting. Her Twitter presence is... Uh. Very early Candace, almost worse, but it's like she's on there. She's certainly tweeting. We need somebody too, because I was going through all the Potomac tweets this morning, and Giselle, Robin, and Ashley have all not tweeted a single time about this season yet. And I'm like, can we? Pl- I know, like, I know you don't want to be like dis- disaster on Twitter, but can we get like some some shady comments or anything? Like, <laughs> I, I need some more reaction, Giselle. If she isn't posting those TikToks, um, or if she isn't posting on Instagram, she's not tweeting. I feel like Robin used to tweet a little bit, and like certainly Ashley, but yeah, it seems like they are not doing that. I do think it's interesting, actually, in one of my features for the Grio when I talked to them about this at BravoCon, I do feel like they feel like it is to the detriment of the show sometimes to tweet about it, or to like they, they I feel like are very old school and wanting to let it play out as it is, and then we'll speak on it accordingly. But um, it does make for fun, especially with Potomac, I think, because they're really good at tweeting. <laughs> like, at least Candace is. Like, I know she's a disaster, but her tweets are funny. She's like a wordsmith. Splash refreshers are the delicious zero-calorie beverage I'm reaching for again and again when I'm feeling thirsty for something flavorful. I believe in the three-beverage rotation on my desk at all times. One for caffeinating, one for hydrating, and one for fun. But Splash spices it up by putting the fun and hydration in one. I don't have to dread my eight cups of water a day. I just drink Splash and like it. 
Lately, my go-to office beverage has been the Splash Wild Berry flavor. It's so nice to just put a few in the fridge at the beginning of the week. Grab one whenever you want something nice and refreshing. It's just the right amount of flavor, just the right amount of sweetness. You know the vibes. When you want something refreshing, when you want something hydrating, Splash is the perfect thing to reach for. It perfectly blends refreshing fruit flavors with just a little bit of sweetness, all with zero sugar and zero calories. And it's available in five craveable flavors. Wild Berry, that's my favorite, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. It's there to satisfy your need for hydration with a little flavor. Consider your hydrated self thriving. Find Splash Refresher today on Amazon and Instacart or at your local Walmart, Sam's Club, or Kroger. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? Well, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Speaking of your Little Mermaid meme from last week, Candace referred to... uh, (laughs) referred to some of her castmates as desperately poor unfortunate souls the other day (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah it's that's the thing about candace she's so good at that exactly and i i do think with this season it's like we knew what some of the big storylines were going to be in terms of ashley's divorce in terms of whatever's going on with robin and juan um but we don't really have an idea of how those storylines are going to play out, you know? So it's like, we know kind of what the subject line of the email is, but we don't know kind of who's talking to who, who's on which side, who's going to be getting along at the end of it. And I think that that is such a good thing for a housewife season that it's like, there are things I'm excited to see, but I don't know what they're going to look like. And with, with some of these seasons, I think with Beverly Hills in particular, a lot over the last few years, it's like we've had such an outline of what the of what the points are going to yeah. be in the season that it's like, okay, they're going to go to this place and then these two are going to have a fight here because we know it got filmed and it was on Instagram. And then there were leaks about this part of the season and we know that they're not getting along with Kathy. Like, I love that this season, we know certain kind of vague threads of what's going on Mm -hmm. but i don't know from episode to episode what's happening next and i think that it just makes me so excited to watch it unfold it's refreshing especially again like you said because we've been in this weird era where there are a lot of leaks which isn't necessarily the fault of production especially with beverly hills i mean i get why but i think even with that panel dylan like i just found that panel to be as wild and as truly crazy as the Salt Lake City panel was and unhinged. I feel like the Potomac panel was like the perfect balance of like, they were shady to each other, but it really showed them as like a unit. Like they really did like talk about their work in such a, I think, beautiful way and their respect for each other. Like there was a moment where Giselle was like saying how proud she was of Candace and how she uses the platform in her singing, like, and how they like, even though they fight together, like they ride for each other, that cast. And there was no any other entity, any other franchise, Bravo celebrities coming, like if you come for one of them, you come for all of them type of thing, um, which was really, really great to see. And I think it's kind of the secret sauce that they have there. Totally. They, they know that they can't do it alone. And, you know, as much as ego is fun sometimes on these shows and you want to have the big personalities and the people who are kind of like a little bit cocky sometimes, 
when it comes to making the actual show, it has to be a group effort. And I think Potomac does that better than anyone. And it, oh my God, I just love these girls so much. (laughs) I know. Thank God it's back. We were really in a drought there. Like it had been a long time. And I'm just so excited that they're back. And I think too, I wrote about this too. I think the pandemic really helped Potomac in a way. Like I think people had the time to binge. And I remember the women said that a lot of fans would go up to them at BravoCon and be like, oh my God, I binged you all throughout the pandemic. And obviously season five was like, a lot in a lot of ways, but I think it really just got a lot of people on board and it was so nice. I don't know how you felt to see like the fans and I didn't go to the first BravoCon, but the fans were all over them. That panel was huge. Like they were yeah. huge stars. I actually, I tweeted about this during the weekend that in at BravoCon in 2019, they didn't have a Potomac panel. Not all of them were there. Oh. Like I know Giselle was there. I remember seeing Ashley, maybe a a few of them were there for sure, but they didn't have like a dedicated Potomac panel. They were just kind of doing random things throughout the weekend. And Mm -hmm. so that Sunday morning of BravoCon, when the Potomac panel was like the first thing, when they opened the doors to the venue and immediately there were just like hundreds of people flooding into the line for the Potomac panel. It's like, oh yeah, this is what they deserve. This is, this is where they're supposed to be. And I'm like, it's so (laughs) dumb. This is literally like a reality TV show, but I'm like, I'm proud. (laughs) I know. I couldn't help but feel proud. It was so fun. Exactly. And I'm, I'm glad I got to share it with you and I'm glad you were able to have a recap with me today. I know. I have to say we had so much fun. And it also was so great to see even people come up to you and like love the content you share. And like it was a really I think it was I know there's been a lot said about BravoCon online. Uh, <laughs> and it certainly wasn't Fire Festival, but no. it was a really exhausting, really fun weekend. But it and Sunday felt like the cherry on top for sure. Exactly. Jared, thank you so much for being here. Tell everyone where they can read your stuff and follow you and all of that. Yes. Yeah, so I write entertainment at The Grio, so you can see all my coverage there. I did a lot of BravoCon coverage, so be sure to check it out. Uh, and you can follow me on Instagram at the Jared Alex, uh, And then you can follow me on Twitter at Hey, it's Jared. Hey, with two eyes. Amazing. Thank you so much. And thank you, everyone, for listening. And don't forget to rate, review, and follow the show wherever you listen. You can follow us on Instagram at Bravo by Betches. And until next time, be cool. Don't be all like uncool. Mention It All is produced by Dylan Hafer, Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Rebecca Sousmacat. Editing by Jorge Morales-Pico. Social media by Dylan Hafer. Guest booking by Dylan Hafer and Ali Friedlander. Be sure to follow at Bravo by Betches on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you to our sponsor, Splash Refresher. Meet the water beverage that loves self-care as much as you do. Just because you have to hydrate doesn't mean it has to be tasteless. Splash Refresher makes hydration deliciously easy. Splash perfectly blends refreshing fruit flavors with just a little bit of sweetness, all with zero sugar and zero calories. I am going to go grab myself a wild berry splash now that I am done recording, and you should too. Consider your hydrated self thriving. Find Splash Refresher today on Amazon and Instacart or at your local Walmart, Sam's Club, or Kroger. Betches.